So transit monitoring is when we have teams who work in strategic transit locations. We train and equip them to identify potential human trafficking. And sometimes it's very obvious. Sometimes you can see it kind of with the naked eye. And sometimes our monitors just have to talk to as many people as possible and unpacking those things with people and uncovering the what we call red flags. That is the process that our monitors go through with a potential victim. So the objective is to identify human trafficking before it happens. And then obviously sharing the gospel and helping people to just have hope again and to feel like there is a God who loves them and cares for them and will look after them is something that we really want to gift people with if they don't already know Jesus. You're about to finally accomplish something you've been waiting for and working toward, but then you get sideswiped again. Maybe your life feels like a perpetual Groundhog's Day with the sink full of dirty dishes and the unending pile of bills. Perhaps it seems like no one can tell you've done anything when it feels like all you've done is everything. This is a podcast for the defeated dreamer, the discouraged achiever, and the exhausted perfectionist in all of us. Imagine having a simple plan, a strategy to use in those moments when you feel like you can never accomplish what's important to you, when the things you are doing don't make much of a difference, and when you're wondering, do I even matter? I'm Sherry Fletcher, and I have so been there. But what I've come to understand is that God has a plan for your life, and the enemy has a plot against that plan. This is why you need a spiritual strategy. I'm glad you're here, and we're on the same team. So let's work on a spiritual game plan together. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Briny Fickling. Briny works for Love Justice. Love Justice steps in during critical moments between freedom and slavery. Their system of transit monitoring dares to believe that together we can prevent the next victim from being trafficked and that the knowledge gained can and does lead to arrest and convictions of those who seek to make people into victims. Bryony started working at Love Justice in 2019 as the National Director for the South African Organization, and she took the role of Regional Steward for the South African Countries in 2021. She has a background in business that is completed by degrees in business, social science, and a master's degree in development. She's passionate about human security across the globe and dedicated to doing all she can in this lifetime to radically love and care for vulnerable people. Bryony lives in Johannesburg, South Africa, and she thrives in the hustle and bustle of the city and delights in getting out into nature often. You're gonna love my time listening with Bryony as you hear the conviction of where God placed her in serving those that are about to be sold into modern day slavery. Please remember that this is a very hard topic to discuss and a very serious one. And today, 
Grinding will be covering all aspects of this industry, and it might not be suitable for young listeners. So you might want to listen to this when you're alone or with headphones. All right, I am really excited to introduce Briani Fickling today, and she is joining us um, from across the hemispheres, and it's summer where you're at, where you're at. And I think if I looked at my um, app, it said it was 90 to 90 degrees where you're at today. Is that true? It could be. We measure things in Celsius, so I'm not sure what Fahrenheit oh, okay. is, but it's pretty toasty here today. That is for sure. <laughs> Give us a little glimpse of where you're at and what it's like there. Um, so I live in Johannesburg in South Africa. Um, it's the capital and main city uh, in in South Africa. There are a few big cities of which Joburg is kind of the economic hub. Um, there's a lot of just hustle and bustle. Um, yeah, it's a great place to live, very diverse. It has a very bad reputation in terms of crime, but it's full of amazing people doing really cool things. So I love living here. So where I live in Tennessee, it's winter. So we're waking up to really cold. So where you're at, it is summer. So that's kind of cool, kind of fun to think about. So I have a couple of questions that I ask every guest on the show. And before we dive into the topic uh, today, I will ask you these two questions. One of those is when you look back on your life, how far back can you go and see the very purpose that you're living out today and who you have always been? I think that it really um, comes down to just having this, what I genuinely feel is is a God-given deep sense of purpose, that I'm not here uh, as a mistake, um, that my life is meaningful and that I have a role to play in the kingdom. Um, but my 16th year probably stands out to me the most when I was on a Christian camp and uh, one of the counselors had recommended the purpose driven life to me. And I think that's really when it first started to click that this is something that I wanted to step into and discover and that I deeply desired uh, for my life. Um, yeah, just to be walking in God's will for, for whatever it was that I was created for. And um, somewhere in that book, there's a poem, and I can't remember the whole poem, but the first two lines have always stuck out with me where it says, you are who you are for a reason. You're part of an intricate plan. And I think I've taken that my whole life really to heart um, and a, a real deep belief that I, that there is this intricate plan by this master um, God and that my life is important. And it's been, that's kind of been the driving force. I was involved mm -hmm. in student run NGOs um, at high school and at university. I led social initiatives in the corporate space when I was in marketing and advertising. And then I started my own business as a social impact consultant before I eventually found the NGO Love Justice that I'm working for now. So to be honest, I didn't specifically have a calling to fight human trafficking in particular, but I certainly have always felt called to use my gifts and my skills and my expertise, my opportunities and privilege to help people, no matter the kind of injustice. So 
Yeah, although I've come to understand a lot about human trafficking and it really resonates with how passionately I feel about working against those forces, uh, because it is at the intersection of so many injustices is why I'm so passionate about the work that I do. Yeah, I love it. I love how God weaves our our role that we're going to play in his purpose right from the start. He puts that right into who we are. So I love hearing that answer because I can see how just how intentional God is in his creation. Um, the other question I like to ask people is, is there anything you've been thanked for that you didn't even realize that you did well or that you were valued for it? That is a question I don't know if I've ever considered before, um, but a really interesting one. I think my first thoughts are around my perception of myself as a very assertive, ambitious, no-nonsense, sort of impact-driven woman. Um, And towards the end of last year, my colleagues in some of the different countries that I work in and with Um, thanked me in different ways for supporting them um, during the year. And truly their their messages brought me to tears because I I felt like they'd seen me and they expressed how they saw me in a way that I'd never heard before, highlighting much of the softer, more feminine aspects of my leadership and working style and just how much it meant to them. And so, yeah, that that was something that had, has kind of been with me during the Christmas season that I've been reflecting on and something that I hope to be able to do more of if that's what people really resonate with and appreciate. I love that. I love how God thanks us for doing his work. So anyway, I love hearing those questions or answers to them. So thank you. So yes, we are jumping in to our topic, which is, um, you know, God's whole plan for this fallen earth is to redeem what the enemy has taken. And so bringing awareness to this disgusting um, situation of human trafficking is something I just really have wanted to focus on this month. So I'm so glad to talk to you and about the work that you do in the organization called Love Justice. So will you share with us the mission of Love Justice and why bringing awareness to this crime is just really a small part of of this much bigger industry. Thank you for this opportunity to share about what we do. Um, Love Justice International's mission is to share the love of Christ by fighting the world's greatest injustices. So I know that we are here to talk specifically about human trafficking, and that is definitely one of the injustices that we spend a lot of time working on. Um, But it's not the only sort of focus of the organization. Ultimately, we want to be making sure that we are ready um, and engaged in the different kinds of injustices, whether it's a sort of sustained and ongoing injustice or if it's a crisis um, that we need to be responsive to as, as Christians and as people working for love justice on this mission. We want to be ready to share the love of Christ in this in this sort of radical way. Um, I think anyone in the anti-human trafficking space will tell you that it often feels like we're sort of touching the tip of the iceberg. And um, I often have to bring myself back to that story of the, the starfish, you know, being able to throw in one starfish back into the 
ocean one at a time and I saved that one's life and I saved that one's life. And really each life is so precious and is worth fighting a massive fight for, right? It's it's worth investing 100% and more of my time for one life. But this crime is massive. And at Love Justice, we are majorly impact-driven. We spend a lot of time um, working towards maximizing every dollar spent um, and really investigating our our expenditure and costs and ultimately wanting to steward the resources that we've been entrusted with really well. And we also want to treasure impact opportunities. We want to look for ways to maximize and multiply the impact of each and every function and person and idea um, in the organization so that we are combating and fighting and reducing the world's greatest injustices really effectively. We don't just want to work hard against them, but achieve very little. We want to make sure that every minute spent, every dollar spent is ultimately going to um, fighting things effectively. So what's been super exciting at Love Justice in the last couple of months is that we have broken through the thousand intercepts um, every, every month. And that means that over a thousand people's lives are saved from human trafficking um, each each month across our projects all over the world. And that is a really, really exciting breakthrough for all of us at Love Justice. Um, in terms of how we, we work to um, see justice done, to love people radically, um, we also really want to put suspects behind bars and so we're increasingly working on our capacity to use our work our data our networks to increase arrests and convictions we also want to empower people right because it's hard to save someone's life from human trafficking but not really be able to give them another alternative you know especially because so many people are pursuing um, jobs that are sort of luring them into forced labor, for example, or they're pursuing relationships where they believe that their dreams are going to come true. And we really want to reduce people's vulnerability to being re-trafficked after we have helped them. So empowerment is is something that we want to do and is is our contribution to this this effort. And then Last, but certainly not least, is sharing the gospel, sharing the good news of people. Um, a lot of people who are on their way to being trafficked, they are desperately seeking opportunities for a better life, to put food on the table for their family, um, to pursue what they think is their dream come true, whether it's a job, a study opportunity, a relationship, migration opportunity, even a holiday and so sharing the gospel, praying for people in really meaningful ways and leading them to the Lord is something that we really prioritize and spend a lot of our time focusing on. So that's what we do to, to try and make a dent in what sometimes feels like an overwhelming injustice. Yeah, it's just so big. And you don't realize it's like, yes, you save these people, but yeah, they can go right back into it. You have so much education there. You have um, mentoring. You have spiritual. And then, like you said, this is a crime industry. 
Um, it's happening not just where you're at. It's happening in my neighborhood. It It's huge. Um, so what, share some statistics with us then that how your organization makes a difference in that crime industry. I think very generally, um, there's an estimated 40 million people currently enslaved. Um, but truly, the, the problem with statistics is that so much of this crime is underground. So much of it is happening that we don't know about. So it is hard to sort of put an exact number um, on how many people are being trafficked today. Kind of the the only good estimates out there uh, are around victims, you know, people who have reported the crime as well. So there's also a massive number of people that probably don't report it. They probably don't even know that they have been a victim of human trafficking because it is so normalized in so many different contexts. And I would say that because it's an organized crime, there are syndicates of people from all over the world, all layers of society involving significant amounts of sort of government and official corruption to allow this to happen. So it means that it is one of the major seriously profitable organized crimes globally, um, right up there with um, arms and drug trafficking and dealing. The only difference is that you can sell a human over and over and over again. The amount of money that is in this crime, it's estimated to be a multi-billion dollar industry globally. Um, so I think you make, you know, there's a good point in there around Sometimes this is is very normalized. It looks like things that we haven't considered human trafficking to look like. So many people that that come into contact with the concept of human trafficking first really think it's sex trafficking. Um, and it is so much broader than that. It is not all just happening in these underground industries and places. Sometimes it is happening in the restaurants around us, at hair salons. It's happening in our neighbor's home. And depending on what context you live in, trafficking probably looks very different. So I think part of why statistics don't show us the full picture is because we also just don't understand the full nature of human trafficking. Police officers don't understand the full nature of human trafficking a lot of the time. Victims themselves don't understand that they may have been trafficked and to report it. So I like to think of human trafficking as modern day slavery. And that kind of gives me a better idea of the breadth and depth of what this crime looks like in contemporary society. It can look like sex slaves in brothels and in in marriages and forced marriage and child marriage. It can look like children who are forced to work in people's homes and businesses. And sometimes that is extremely normalized. Um, it can look like uh, undocumented foreigners being severely exploited in the restaurants, farms, mines, businesses around us. It can look like mine workers who are expecting legitimate jobs but then end up starving, working 22 hours a day in horrendous conditions. They're sick and they're paid nothing at the end of the day. It can look like domestic workers who are forced to give up their passports to their employer who are raped and abused. Their paychecks are taken away from them. Mm -hmm. So 
I think Love Justice makes a good dent in preventing human trafficking from happening and putting people behind bars. To to date, I think we've we've intercepted almost thirty seven thousand people since we started. People who were actively being trafficked, and then because of our staff's uh, intervention, they were prevented from essentially continuing on their journey. We've recorded over 1,200 arrests of traffickers. I think we have a really good, effective, efficient model that is extremely cost-effective and ultimately prevents the abuse, the trauma, and the exploitation of people in a really practical and tangible way. So I think we do a really good job of putting a good dent in that massive iceberg that it can look like. Yeah. You've thrown many starfish back in the ocean. So on the the website, I was reading that you had um, some of the anti-trafficking strategies. And I think one of them that was mentioned was um, transit monitoring. What are some of the, what is that one? How do you describe that one? And what are like some of the other anti-trafficking strategies that you guys use? So transit monitoring is is the model that that we use and, and adapt for different contexts and in different countries and working with different stakeholders. Um, you know, it would look different if you're working with the police versus if you're working with immigration versus if you're just working in vulnerable communities, for example. But essentially, transit monitoring falls under one of the two main strategies. You have rescue and you have prevention. So it falls under the prevention side of things. Rescue is obviously really important, and there are some amazing NGOs doing work in that in that area. And but rescue operations and the amount of uh, healing and services and for as long as it's needed for someone to heal from the abuse and exploitation and the trauma of being trafficked, it is, it's massive, right? Like it could take a a lifetime to heal from, from something like that. And that's not to say that God can't redeem in miraculous ways, but there are some people who have been so extraordinarily traumatized that they need a significant amount um, of love and care and support services. As well as part of the rescue is rescue operations, you know, coordinating the number of people required to rescue people is actually quite shocking. It's It's been quite a surprise to me. You would imagine that you, you get a tip off and you can immediately call a police hotline and you'll have people ready to go to, you know, go and raid a house and save someone. But the reality is that in many of the contexts in which we work, that is just not possible. And so it takes time, it takes money, it takes resources on the part of the government, on part of law enforcement. It requires this massive coordination effort that is so flawed a lot of the time. And so rescue is not always possible. Um, Whereas prevention is massively important, right? Like we can agree that we would want to prevent someone from ever being trafficked, even for a day. And that is definitely in line with the strategy of love justice and what um, our partners uh, across the world do. And that is what is called transit monitoring. 
So transit monitoring is when we have teams who work in strategic transit locations. We train and equip them to identify potential human trafficking. And sometimes it's very obvious. Sometimes you can see it kind of with the naked eye. And sometimes our monitors just have to talk to as many people as possible and find out where people are going. Why are they traveling? Have they been promised something on the other side? And to help them sort of navigate through that decision-making process of whether they continue on their journey or whether the signs of human trafficking is just too great to risk their lives for. So a lot of people are traveling for jobs that have been promised that are too good to be true. They're deceived into opportunities for studying. Um, They've been talking to someone online and expecting to get married, and that's going to solve so many problems for many families. Um, Many are looking for a better life in other countries. And so unpacking those things with people and uncovering the what we call red flags that is the process that our monitors go through with a potential victim. So the objective is to identify human trafficking before it happens, but it is in the active phase of happening. People are en route to be trafficked. So you can kind of think of it as sort of a last line of defense. You know, the goalie before the ball gets into into the net is, is how I often think about it. And we really want to just help people get home safely. Maybe home is not a safe option for them. So we would help them figure out, do they need to go to a shelter? Do they need to go to an aunt's house rather? And then obviously sharing the gospel and helping helping people to, yeah, just have hope again and to feel like there is a God who loves them and cares for them and will look after them is something that we really want to gift people with if they haven't already um if they don't already know jesus so it's a it's a really effective model um while saving one precious life is really valuable on its own and we spoke briefly about that at the beginning but um my boss also reminds me that we work as much for the one as we work for the many but we also want to be putting traffickers behind bars because they're involved in the trafficking of the many and so that's kind of this impact multiplying strategy that we you know want to do more of we think that that's a massively important part of the work that we do so where we can we want to collect that data hand it over help liaise with police and with law enforcement to to get these arrests and ultimately to to work towards convictions wow that is that is huge that's a massive undertaking so we've learned a lot about the organization but i would love to hear a little bit about you your personal journey what brought you to love justice truly god god brought me to love justice and the more I speak to people in Love Justice um, and just actually more broadly in the anti-trafficking space, there are a lot of Christian NGOs working really hard and doing really great work um, to combat human trafficking. And so many of them have a really powerful God story of, of what brought them to this work. And that makes sense to me because I do believe there's so much of a spiritual battle involved in this in this crime. And it requires us to really mobilize 
mobilize the ranks of the kingdom to, to, to work against the evil. But I started my career in corporate, in marketing. Um, and one day I was actually sitting alone in my office and the chairperson of this, of the company walked in and asked me, you know, what I was working on. So I told him, and then he said, are you working hard? So I said, of course I'm working hard. So he said, good, because the harder you work, the richer I get. And that comes back to that like sense of purpose where I was like, what, what am I doing with my life? Like I enjoy marketing and the creative sort of vibes about it, but it definitely, that was the moment that kind of broke the camel's back for me and things got put into perspective. Now, I suppose I'm not saying that we don't need amazing Christian leaders and good people in the corporate sphere. We absolutely do. But I think I needed to reassess where I was working and what I was doing based on that experience. So I resigned and actually went to South Korea to teach English for a while and just kind of take a break and just figure out what was I going to do and then came back to South Africa to study um, gender studies. Uh, it was my second degree. And I focused on sort of peace building and post-conflict society of which South Africa is a post-conflict society as well as many other African countries um, are dealing with, you know, the, the after effects. And so from a gendered perspective, there is also uh, significantly different experiences between men and women um, in that space. And then I went on to do my master's in development where I focused on human security. And that was kind of the, the start, I suppose, of figuring out that, that protecting people in a really beautiful, radical way was something that I want to spend my life doing. So yeah, I came I came across Love Justice when I had started my own business um, after I had finished my uh, new studies, and they were one of my clients. And I just yeah, I had a lot of respect for them, um, for their vision, for their heart, for God, for just how beautifully they loved people, and this sort of deep desire to find really effective tools to to shine a light on injustice, to help people, to protect people, to change the status quo in many, in many aspects. And so I did some work for them. And then the, the kind of big God moments for me was I was looking for a permanent job at the time. And I'd sitting in my car before this job interview for another NGO. I just said to God, like, because I am struggling with sort of insecurities and fear. And I just say, God, I just have this feeling that your vision for my life is much bigger than my vision for my life right now. Like you, you orchestrate this thing. I will say yes. That's, I'm, I'm letting you, I'm giving it all to you. You've got kind of free reign. And I got this position, but it was for a, a job that would have been easy. I would have been well within my comfort zone, within my skills and abilities, and I wasn't worried that I could, couldn't, or couldn't do it. And then when I was on my way home, I got a call from Love Justice to offer me another job. I hadn't heard from them in about a year since I had worked for them. I hadn't applied for a job, 
And I just laughed knowing that God was kind of offering me, do you want comfortable and easy? Because you can have it, but this is this big thing that you've asked me for. And I just knew I had to say yes. So yeah, it's been a privilege, to be honest. I feel very lucky to be walking in God's will for my life and just knowing that he's the one powering my my moves and just multiplying the works of my hands. It's just an extraordinarily empowering space to be in. I just feel so lucky and so loved. So you're you're working hard to grow someone else's kingdom <laughs> instead of a corporate boss's kingdom. <laughs> I like that. So um, I know that asking you to share, you know, one story that made the biggest impact in your life working with Love Justice is probably an impossible ask, but um, because each soul and each story impacts you so differently. But is there one story that stands out or one encounter that that you could share with us? I think that. My first, my very first intercept that I that I worked on was massively eye-opening for me. I was working with a team of monitors at a bus station in Pretoria, which is very close to Johannesburg in South Africa. And we had come across this young woman from Zimbabwe, which is one of our neighboring countries. And it's a very long train, I mean, bus trip. It's probably at least two days um, to get from their capital city to our capital city. And she had come to South Africa. Her trip had been arranged by and paid for a cousin who lived here. And then in talking to her, we kind of uncovered that she didn't know much about the trip. Um, She didn't know much about her cousin. We phoned the cousin and kind of picked up a lot of sort of contradictions, a lot of things that didn't make sense. We asked some questions around where this cousin um, lived and what she did. And there were just so many inconsistencies. And it kind of turned out that she definitely had um, ulterior motives. And the case for potential human trafficking was really strong. And how that changed my perspective on human trafficking um, was that we think that these are strangers, you know, these are typical criminals. We think that they would be easy to spot, but sometimes it can be a family member. It can be a friend um, who, for whatever reason, is luring someone and deceiving them because there's that element of trust. And so that was the first time I think I started to understand or started to unpack how traffickers are master manipulators they know exactly what to say to people right and I think that any one of us could potentially be groomed deceived tricked and learn to trust someone potentially even over a long period of time Um, but traffickers can look like our cousins they can look like our friends And they can take advantage of people who are just really vulnerable. And this lady was. She was trusting. She was naive. um, She was uh, she was unemployed. She was in a really difficult space in her life, and she was hoping that there were some opportunities for her. And so, yeah, I think just being brokenhearted around the fact that so many people are trafficked, not because they're just naive and deceived but specifically because people are pursuing opportunities for a better life like that broke my heart as well 
um, you know, that gone are the days where we just assume that people are sort of snatched up, thrown into the trunk of a car, taken and locked up in some room. Um, but but that element of trust, that element of control and deception just breaks my heart, to be honest. Yeah. It, it, it's it some of the stories I've heard just are are shocking because like you said you you picture these women just being snatched and thrown in a car but yet some of the stories it, it you would just you'd be shocked at at the people that that take a, a vulnerable life and place them in a situation um and that and the person that was placed in that situation trusted this person fully mm. um and so and and um some of the comments that i i had heard previously was well they made a choice to to get involved in that situation not not necessarily you know they didn't make a choice to get involved in um, a strip club or um a massage parlor maybe it, it it some people think that they think they made a choice to to get involved in those industries and it's not the case it's just not the case. Like we don't know the extraordinarily limited number of options people have to survive, you know? Um, and I don't think we can judge people for making a decision that maybe we believe we wouldn't have made if we were in the same position. And then also just the extraordinary amount of grooming and deception that happens. Um, we have to also understand that people are manipulated um, and vulnerable people are sometimes, unfortunately, willing to risk it all. But that doesn't mean that they deserve to be victims of this horrendous crime either. And so that's where I really appreciate the trajectory of um, international global best practice in terms of um, anti-human trafficking law is that if you are a victim of human trafficking, you should not be held liable for the crimes that you commit because there are uh, trafficking types in various countries where people are forced to do crime, where people are forced um, to, to do things that we just wouldn't assume is human trafficking. And, yeah, it, it just becomes so complex the, the broader you understand and unpack what human trafficking is and how it looks like. And we just don't always understand. Well, all of us are called to be the body of Christ and um, to take care of those um, that, you know, his sheep. And we are, there's Bible verses to take care of the, the weak and the widowed and the orphans. Um, and we all have different roles. And that looks different for each of us. And so to our listeners that say, okay, I can't go to, you know, South Africa to do this, um, that might not be available. But if a listener says, I want to make an impact, I don't know where to start. Um, where would you send them if they want to work with Love Justice, if they want to see what's available for them, where can they go to learn more about um, what Love Justice does and what they can do to make a difference? I think that it would be amazing if we just had epic Christians from all over the world getting involved on this mission. Like we absolutely are always looking for, for great people. So if you want to get involved in a volunteer capacity, there are various ways that you can 
volunteer really meaningfully and in a very committed way at Love Justice. And so please reach out to us and we can figure out where you would be best suited given your giftings, given your strengths and expertise. We also have a careers page on our website where you can have a look and see what careers are available. And there are some stateside um, options. There are also some options um, looking to join our head office in South Africa. So come to South Africa. It's a wonderful country. Even if it wasn't in your plan, you won't regret it. And um, then there's obviously jobs in the different uh, departments that we have at Love Justice. So outside of anti-trafficking, uh, we have children home staff, we have schooling staff, and we're always looking for people to join those departments as well. And then I would say just if if you can't do or or it's not your calling to to be part of the doers in in this um, fight against human trafficking, truly we. We cannot do the work that we do without the donations of amazing people. And we have a community called Project Beautiful where people give anything from like $30 to $300,000. And all of that goes into making this work possible over, you know, 25 countries across across the world. So don't sort of underestimate what even a small monthly donation can do for saving lives um, from human trafficking. Yeah, and that is Love Justice, and it's .ngo, like N is in Nancy, N-G-O. So it's different than just .com. It's lovejustice.ngo. And they have so many beautiful stories on there. They have a blog page and um um, they have just keep, you guys keep it really current with um, regular blog posts, which has been really interesting to go on and read the stories. So thank you so much for joining us today and sharing what, what Love Justice does and, and your personal um, story in that as well. I really appreciate you joining me from across the hemisphere. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. You can find out more about Love Justice International at lovejustice.ngo. And I hope that you enjoyed this month as we brought awareness to human trafficking and God's plan to redeem what the enemy is so determined to destroy. And I hope you plan on joining me next week. We're going to be starting the month of February, and we will be talking with many guests about the condition of our hearts. Because we are told above all else, we are to guard our hearts because everything we do flows from it. So I'll see you here next week. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I don't want you to miss out on anything. So when you sign up for my email, you will get details on how to start your own spiritual game plan, the latest news on the Bible study I'm working on, and also a glimpse behind the scenes of things that don't make it onto this podcast. So head on over to sherryfletcher.com and click join Sherry at the top of the screen. And I look forward to connecting with you there.